And if any of you guys know me, I like my Bible. I like my Bible. But God is calling me to a season of prayer. We should all have prayer. We should all have prayer lives. But God is calling me to a hidden season of prayer. To the point to where you're going to see my social media stuff decline. If you haven't already noticed that already in the last few weeks. You're going to see shifts and changes take place in my life. You're going to see me change. You guys are going to watch me change over the next several months because I'm going in the secret place. I'm publicly announcing I'm going into the secret place. I don't know what else to do. I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated with hearing about revival and not seeing it. I'm tired of seeing people say they love Jesus and do everything opposite of their confession. And it took praying men of God to change things, to bring the change in Ephesus that was needed. So if you've been here or not, we've been studying Ephesus. We talked about Paul in Acts chapter 19, about his first visit to Ephesus. We talked about the temple. We talked about the culture and the context and the craziness that was going on, the witchcraft, and just all the things that Paul had that was he was up against. And in the midst of all of this, he rocks and shakes a city. One man is a majority in Christ. One person is the majority in Christ. One person sold out. Sold out. One person dedicated to say, that cannot be as long as I am here. That's what shapes a city. That's what transforms the congregation, the church, the people in it. That's what makes communities shift away from idols and junk that keeps them out of their prayer closet and puts them in the place of submission before a holy God, realizing that Jesus is truly coming, that the eternal is more real than this, that He's more real than the ground that we walk on. He's more real than the lungs, than air in our lungs. In the midst of all of this, Paul, the apostle, goes into Ephesus and he rocks this place. And he makes disciples. He doesn't make praying sinners. He makes disciples. And he says this in, in, or excuse me, in Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm probably not going to get past the first three verses today. But we're going to dive into these three verses. And, and what he's communicating because every single line in this book that he wrote, this letter, this passionate, heart rent, just pouring out his heart letter to these brand new people who just came out of witchcraft is nothing but empowerment and grace and love and you can do it and here you go and here's the instructions. And he starts off by saying, you people that used to be full of witchcraft and you sinners. No, that's not what he says. He addresses them the way that they are now. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, he says, to the saints who were at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every supernatural spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. 
That word spiritual there means supernatural. He has blessed us with every supernatural blessing in the heavenly places. To the saints who are at Ephesus. Tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick was a slave. He was taken into slavery. There was a battle between Rome and Britain. And he got taken into captivity and placed in Ireland. Eventually got free, got born again, went back to Ireland in the land of the heathens. He turned the land of the heathens into the land of Christians. He saw what was going on. He saw the need. He saw who he used to be and the bonds and the captivity that he used to have. He got free and then went back to the people that were in bondage and brought them freedom. It's like what Paul did in Ephesus. But he did it because he saw clearly. Paul says, I'm writing to a strategic, specific group of people. If you do not qualify, if you are not in this group, you will not understand anything in this letter. You won't. You can read the Bible. There's people that read the Bible. They read it. There's people that know the scriptures better than anybody in this room. They have them memorized better than anybody in this room. And yet still have no comprehension as to what it's communicating and saying and who it's truly addressed to because they don't know who they are and they don't know who God says they are. And they can be born again. They could be not born again. I'm talking about either one of them because you can be a sinner and you can be callous to what God says about you just as much as you can be a saint and be callous to what God says about you. I don't feel like a saint. Well, great then you won't understand what he's saying to you because you won't feel like it's addressed to you. You'll always feel like it's beneath you. When he says he's given you every blessing in the heavenly places, if it's beneath me and he's saying it's above me, I'm thinking backwards. You guys understand what I'm saying? The word saint here is holy ones. It means to be sacred. It means to be pure. It means to be blameless and it means to be consecrated. It's your responsibility to walk in a manner that is pleasing to the Lord. Yes, He wills to do it. Yeah, He will complete the good work that He started in you. But it says work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. What fear? Perfect love casts out fear. So what fear is He talking about? The fear of the Lord. People don't like to talk about the fear of the Lord. They get it confused with being afraid of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If we need this wisdom, which Paul later talks about in 15 through 18, the same wisdom, if we want this knowledge and this wisdom and this revelation, we have to have the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is what's going to bring us into a place where we reverence God above anything else that comes into our realm so that if something comes and it seems like it's bigger and it's trying to overwhelm your mind and your thoughts and your emotions above what God says about you, then you're going to put yourself into a position. If you don't have the fear of the Lord, you'll put yourself in a position where you'll fear that and not fear God. God will no longer be the big thing. The thing will be the big thing. 
The temple of Artemis of the Ephesians, we talked about this before, but the temple of Artemis of the Ephesians was the seventh wonder of the world in Paul's day. The seventh wonder of the world. Now think about the Eiffel Tower. Think about the Statue of Liberty. Think about the Grand Canyon. Think about these places where people stream to. They stream there. They have to. They have life goals. It's on their bucket list. That's what this place was. The seventh wonder of the world. It was on the bucket list. And Paul says, that's where I'm going. That's where I'm going to change places. That's where things are going to change. I don't care about the status of what this place is in the world. I don't care about the demonic witchcraft that is there. I don't care about their, their positions and how they're worshiping idols. None of that matters to me because I have him and he's bigger than all of that. He's trying to communicate to you that as a saint, you've been called sacred. You are God's holy vessel. When you show up, you now become the fixture of the moment. You now, as the temple of the Holy Spirit, you now become the temple that people are attracted to. Where you go, he is. Where he is, heaven is. So where you go, heaven is, and Jesus is there too, and Holy Spirit's waiting to manifest himself and rock this place. If we do not comprehend the realities of being a saint, we don't know that we're sacred. We don't know that we're pure. We certainly don't believe that we can walk blameless. And we have no concept of consecration. And then we take our bodies back for ourselves. And then we choose to do what we want with our time. And we choose where we want to go on vacation. And what we want to do. And God's going, okay. If you want to do that, that's fine. But what are you going to do when you get there? What are you doing with that opportunity? I don't believe that God is against every little thing that we do, that we choose to do. I believe that God will ordain and bless certain things as we move and breathe and have our being. I think that he can work all things together for his good. But what he's saying is, is while you're there, who are you? Because it doesn't matter if you're in Mexico, if you're in Ohio, if you're in Arizona, if you're in California. It's not where you are, it's who you are. Who are you? Seriously. Jesus said this. Who do you say that I am? He wanted to make sure we saw him clearly. And then he turned around back to them. And said, do you, he told Peter later, do, do you love me? I love you. Do you love me? In other words, is there a mutual relationship happening here? Is the electricity flowing? Is the spirit moving? Are you in the closet? That's what I'm praying for right now. God, don't give me a stage without giving me the closet. Don't, give, don't bring people around me without me being shut up and hidden and knowing your heart so that I can release it to them. God, don't place me in a position where I'm exalted and I don't exalt you. Because that's easy today. Facebook, YouTube, social media makes it real easy to become a star. People just sell their inheritance for a bowl of soup. 
and they attach Jesus to it. Say, I'm doing ministry. I don't want that. Don't want it. I want to be a saint. I want to be a sacred, pure, blameless, consecrated one. Paul says, to the saints who are at Ephesus. So there's lots of people at Ephesus that this book went to. Remember, this letter went to the whole church. But that doesn't mean that everybody understood it. Bless you. It doesn't mean that everybody understood it. It doesn't mean that everybody accepted it either. Really think about it. Who are you? And who does he say you are? Watch this. To the saints who are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So Paul takes it to the next level. He doesn't just say those who are saints, those who have been saved, those who are consecrated, those who are living blameless, those who are sacred, but to the faithful. Well, that really narrows it down, doesn't it? Because here's what that means. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23, is the fruit of the Spirit. You know what that is? One of the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. What's he saying there? Those who are saints and those who are walking in the Spirit. Every time he uses a fruit of the Spirit to talk about the church... He's actually sort of subliminally saying to them, are you walking in peace? Good, because you're walking in the Holy Spirit. He's actually telling them they're walking in the Holy Spirit. To those who are faithful, the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. So you're a saint, you're sanctified, you're, you're consecrated, you're sacred, you're pure, you're blameless, and you're walking in the Spirit. Those are the people he addresses. And then he says, to those specific people in the army of God, to those specific individuals, he releases this, grace to you. Notice he doesn't say to, notice, notice he doesn't say to the church in Ephesus. He does not say that. He doesn't say to the congregation in Ephesus. He doesn't say to the people who got saved in Ephesus. He targets a group of people that I want to be. Saints who are faithful get the grace of God. Pure, sacred, blameless, above reproach. In the Greek, saints, hagios. Faithful, pistos, in the Greek. He's specifically targeting a group of people about this book, about this letter. You have to understand this or you will understand nothing else of what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks. You'll have no clue where we're going. You'll read this book and you'll go, what is going on here? What is he talking about? This is out of control. How can I even understand this? And I know because I did it for years. I read through the whole, when I got saved, I read from cover to cover and there was all kinds of stuff. I'm like, I have no clue what that even means. None whatsoever. But when I studied the Holy Spirit, it shook 
everything. It's like my eyes were taken out and new eyes were placed in. And from that day forward, after from that, that year I spent studying, from that year forward, it was like the Bible became a brand new book to me. And I understood, wait a minute, I'm a child of God. Wait a minute, I'm a saint. Oh my goodness, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. Oh my goodness, the Spirit of God literally does dwell inside of me. He's in me. And then I started reading this and going, to the saints, I'm a saint. To the faithful, I'm being faithful the best I know how. I have no desire to be unfaithful in any way, shape, or form. And then he goes, wait, grace to you. And I'm going, I will take that grace. I'm so happy to have that grace. He's going to release something here that is so absolutely required. The grace of God is absolutely required. There's such a misunderstanding of the grace of God today. There's such a twisted teaching of the grace of God. Jude talks about it in Jude chapter 1. That in the last days, within the body of Christ, there will be people that will be among us that will use the grace of God as a license to practice immorality. What's that mean? If the problem, if the problem is, if Jude is warning, if Jude is warning that the grace of God is going to be used for immorality, then we know that the grace of God has nothing to do with living in immorality, which means we cannot equate it with this modern grace message which is you can sin and get away with it and everything's fine. Which is it's okay, the grace of God covers that. That's not what it is. Grace is so much better than, than that theology. That theology, not only is that theology weak and pitiful, it robs us. Well, brother, don't put the law on me. No, dude, I want to put real grace on you. You need real grace, my man. Why? Titus 2. Titus chapter 2. It's stuff falling out all over my Bible. i got notes and stuff. <laughs> Titus chapter 2. More stuff falling out. Stuff like stuck all in my Bible everywhere. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 15. This is what Paul, look at this. This is so good. This is what Paul is releasing to those who are saints and faithful. Watch. This is just the best thing you could need. in your you, Like if you needed something in your life ever in your walk with Christ, you need this. Like you have to have this. 211. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly desires, we should live soberly, righteously, and in godliness in this present world, 
as we await the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all lawlessness and purify for himself a special people, zealous for good works. Teach these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority and let no one despise you. What is the grace of God? What is Paul releasing to the Ephesians? Paul is saying you guys are saints to the ones that are faithful and walking in the Holy Spirit the best they know how. Good. You guys are doing that? Good. You get the Holy Spirit? Good. You guys are doing the best you know how to do? Guess what, guys? You need more grace. Because the grace of God is what frees us from lawlessness. The grace of God is what takes us out of captivity and releases a supernatural freedom over our lives to walk in power and in holiness, blameless and above reproach, spotless, that he will set a sacred people aside unto himself who are zealous for good works. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Right. You can't. Denying worldly desires. What's Paul saying? Paul is saying, guys, I want to release something to you so that you can run victoriously. And I'm going to tell you all about it in this letter. Why? Because in the Hebrew mindset, the way that the Hebrew person writes a, a letter or a book, the first chapter, what we call chapters today, the first section is actually the summary of what he's going to release in the rest of the letter. So he's saying, guys, the summary of what I'm saying to you in the beginning of this letter is what I'm going to teach you how to walk out. If you'll heed what I'm telling you in the rest of the letter. It's where chapter 6, we get the full armor of God. The only place in the entire Bible that puts all of the full armor of God in one chapter is the book of Ephesians. You can even find parts of the armor of God in the Old Testament, but they're not all together. Not until Ephesus. He talks about your inheritance in the saints. He talks about your inheritance in the saints. You have an inheritance. You have a divine inheritance. A supernatural storehouse in heaven waiting to be released to you on earth so that you can fulfill the good works that God has given you. It's good stuff. It's great. But he tells another church that no sexually immoral, no drunkard, no homosexual offender, no covenant breaker, nobody in rebellion or witchcraft can inherit the kingdom of God. He's not writing that to unbelievers. He's writing that to the church. So look at the contrast. Look at the contrast. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who were at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. To you guys, I want to release grace to you and I want to release peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's beautiful to me. I can just... 
That's beautiful. He's just like, I want everything for you guys. I want you guys to win so well. I want you guys, I want you guys to have it all. This is my heart. That's why I'm sitting here. I'm not up here because I, I feel the need to teach. Or we need to have a big group. Or I need to impress anybody. I'll go hide myself. It's fine. But my heart is for people burning for God. We need a people burning for God. Where is the Elijah's of our day? His whole life is summed up in two words. He prayed. He changed the weather. He called down fire. He destroyed the prophets of Baal. He restored the altar of God. Where's Elijah? Where's the grace of God in the church? Where have you placed the grace of God in your life? Because it is everything you need for life and godliness. You can know your Bible, but it's only letters on a page without the anointing of oil. I want this book, every time I touch it, to get my hands wet and to saturate my heart with truth and to penetrate. I want my Bible to be saturated with my tears and say, God, I am not going to let go until you bless me. I'm not going to leave this place until I see change in my work environment. Until I see that person saved and born again. We've lost the reality of hell. Because if we really believed it, if we really believed it, we would not be so complacent with the people around us. And I'm not talking about damning people to hell. I'm not talking about going and shoving fire and brimstone in their face. I'm simply saying in your own personal heart, where's the judgment seat of Christ? Where, how are you living in light of eternity? If every single person in our world is going to stand before God, saved or not, where is that in our hearts and where is that in the church? And I'm just as fed up with my, my, my own positions in many ways, getting busy with things at work and not even considering the person next to me because I'm so consumed with what has to get done that I forget. God, have mercy on me. God, have mercy on me. And forgive me. Change my work environment. Change the people. Don't take me out of it. I want more of you in it.
So how? James chapter 4. And this is just a pretty simple message. It's just a simple heart's cry. That's all you're getting from me tonight. I, I don't I don't have a lot of fancy words or or I, I just this is just my heart right now. And I'm laying it out on a platter. And if you're listening to this later, this is just this is really where I'm at right now. And I hope God keeps me here. I'm okay to stay here for quite a while. I'm really good to stay here for quite a while. James chapter 4, verse 5. Now we'll start in verse 4. James, Jacob in the Greek, Yaakov in Hebrew. James is writing and he says this. You adulterers and adulteresses. It's a lot different than the way Paul was talking to the Ephesians. You adulterers and you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain, he yearns jealousy, jealously for the spirit that lives in us? but he gives more grace. For this reason it says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What's he saying? Shift. Therefore submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to dejection. And humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. Where's the best place to be in God? Weeping and mourning. God, I've got to have more. God, you've got to purge this out of me. God, you've got to change my thinking here. God, you've got to move my heart in this area. God, you've got to remove this callousness. God, I know I really like this, but I like you more. I want this going. God, this has to go. And you look at the world and you say, that is not where my time belongs. I can't afford three hours watching a sports game while my next door neighbor's going to hell. afford it. They can't afford it. Sorry. What are we doing? What are we doing? Paul says make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. In the Greek it says, seize the moment. Make it yours. Make it the kingdom's. Make it for God's glory. That's what it says in the Greek. But you'll never do it unless you know. 
You've given access to become a saint. That you have the ability to be faithful. And that the grace of God is there to cleanse you from all of those things. Everything you need for life and godliness is there in Christ. What more could God have done for his vineyard? Isaiah chapter 5, God talks about his vineyard. My well-beloved had a vineyard. And he goes on about the story of the vineyard. He says, now think about this. Vineyards were like top-notch in the days of Israel. Back in the day, it was one of the best things you could have as a vineyard. It was, it was, it produced, it was fertile land. It was wine. It's what anybody wanted. You could sell wine. It wasn't a problem, as you can imagine. God says, I, I made a vineyard. I put up walls around it to keep the enemies from attacking it. I removed every stone from the soil so that it would produce good grapes. I planted choice vines in that vineyard so it would produce the best crops. I put a watchtower there so you could see the enemy coming far off and stop them before they even got close. I did all of this and I put you in it. And all you had to do was go in, tend it, and reap the harvest. And everything that comes from it, you give me the tenth and you keep the rest. He said, I put a good vine in there, but it yielded wild branches. In other words, because you didn't do your job, it was overtaken by fruit that was junk. And it ruined and spoiled the most precious, perfect, absolute best you could have had. You spoiled it. And he says, The vineyard of the Lord is the house of Israel. Now take that and apply that to Jesus. I am the vine, you are the branches. Anyone who remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. Same language. What's Jesus saying? You have a new covenant. You have everything for life and godliness. You have my spirit in you. You become the temple of the living God. You were buried with me and raised with me in newness of life. I've given you everything. You have more than Israel. You have more than Israel. And he's coming back for fruit. And he made it so clear. The parable of the talents. The judgment seat of Christ. Everyone will give account for what they've done in the body, whether good or bad. You're not saved by works, but you're judged by them. 
Now look at verse 3 again of Ephesians chapter 1 after that. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, watch this now, who has blessed us with every supernatural blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. He's, is, does the word every in your Bible? Every. I'm blown away by that. Here we are asking for blessing and God's going, you've got it. I'm not asking you to ask me for blessing. I'm asking you to believe the blessing you have. So my question and my petition and my cry to you tonight is, what are you going to do now? What are, you, what are you going to do with this revelation, this realization? This is only three verses. I, I, listen, this is only three verses. I, I mean, I've got, you know, notes for days. I mean, this is, I've, I've been eating this book for a year and a half now. And every time I read it, it's like, <gasps> like air, like just, Fresh air, like just, what? What? And if that doesn't do it for you, we need to lay hands on you or get some oil or something. (laughs) I mean, I'm just, I'm just in awe of God. Just in all of this reality of who he is and 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 what he's given us to be let's pray and then we can talk some more. you guys can throw some stuff at me yeah, so father, you're so good you've given us everything we need for life and godliness. Holy Spirit, even so now, if there's anywhere that we've grieved you, if there's any place that we've quenched you, we just ask you to have mercy and forgive us all right now. Father, we just come before you as your children and we say, Father, clean us. God, we just ask you right now for fresh, New linens, God. Father, we ask you that that we would be a bride, spotless before you. That we would lay our crowns before you and you'd say, well done. God, we ask you that our works would glorify you. And that we would take your grace seriously. We would take our calling as saints seriously and that we would truly lay before you and thank you for the fruit of the Spirit even if we don't see it.
that it would be made manifest. And as James calls us, as he says, you resist the proud. Father, we lay aside our pride before you right now. And Father, we ask you for humility. Father, I thank you for a grace of humility to be released over everyone in this room. Father, we ask you to come in here thick right now, Father, and just wrap your arms around us and just let us know with 100% assured that we are yours and you are ours and we will be together forever. Adjust our hearts and our eyes to live in light of eternity. That we would see eternal destinies in the people around us. That we as the church would look at one another and help each other, not hinder one another. That we would help each other live the way you call us to live. And stop taking cheap shots. Stop kicking the rug out from underneath of one another. but that we would be administers of your healing oil and the balm of Gilead. You asked us, Jesus, you said, buy from me, buy from me. Father, show us, teach us how to buy from you. We want treasures in heaven, Father, where moth and rust do not decay. Holy Spirit, give us a prayer life like we've never had before. Teach us to find the hidden place. Show us the prayer closet and hide us there. And don't let us out until we're changed into your image more and more. Father, I ask you even now that you'd wake each one of us up early in the morning and call us to a secret place to commune with you. That you'd keep us up late in the night. And say, come with me, my beloved, into my chamber. Come with me and sup with me. Come with me at the table and drink of my cup. For my blood is real drink. Bread of life, we ask you to nourish us. We beg not for the quail. We despise not the manna. We are fully nourished from the water from the rock. We are satisfied in you. And we are pleased to call you king. Let us never rebel for you. Let us never rebel against the kingdom. Let us always bend our knee before the king of kings and lord of lords. Set us aside, Father. Sanctify us and consecrate us, Father. Make us lights in this world. Make us burning torches, Father. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Holy Spirit, we thank you. God, and I just release that over everybody here, my family and yours. In Jesus' name.
He's so good. He's just so good. I hope you're ready. He is. Thank you for tuning into the broadcast today. Hey, I wanted to just connect with you, share with you some other ways that you can be encouraged in your faith in Christ Jesus through Fruit of the Vine Ministries. You can visit our website at fruitofthevineministries.wix.com forward slash fruit of the vine. We have our statement of faith on there. There's a lot of encouraging books, literature, things that you can get your hands on. There's, there's some good meat in there for you to be continually encouraged in. You can also contact us by sending us an email through Fruit of the Vine Ministries at gmail.com, right here in the form on the website. Also, you can connect with us on Facebook at Fruit of the Vine Ministries Ohio. So if you go on Facebook, it's Fruit of the Vine Ministries Ohio. You'll find the Fruit of the Vine Ministries logo. And from there, just like the page and you'll get encouraging scriptures. You'll get encouraging memes, things that you can share with your friends to say, hey, listen, I follow Yeshua Jesus want to give you another opportunity that some people take to take advantage of our p.o box you can write us a letter you can let us know how you've been encouraged and strengthened in your face and if you feel led by the holy spirit you can also send a check and you can help us and support financially what father is doing here it's p.o box 222 lewisville ohio 44641 and you can make that out to john davison there's also a link to, to give on our uh, website as well. Another way that you can listen and tune in is through our radio broadcasts. 
every Sunday morning on local Christian radio at 10.30 a.m. on 90.1 WJEE and 90.9 WJDD Faith Ministry Radio. And you can connect with us each week there and listen to new encouraging messages. And then also our podcasts are available as well through podbean.com. Go to Fruit of the Vine Ministries on podbean.com. Just click the subscribe and follow, and you can follow some of the latest podcasts. Sometimes they're long, sometimes they're short, sometimes they're just very short, encouraging messages. And I just wanted to give you an outlet so that you can, hey, listen, if God moves on you and you want more, if you want more of Jesus, we want to give you every ounce of grace that God has given to us. Jesus said, freely you have received, freely given. We want to encourage the church to walk in power, strength, holiness, righteousness completely covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, walking as normal Christians in the supernatural and seeing friends, neighbors, loved ones, co-workers coming to faith, salvation knowledge in Yeshua HaMashiach. So thank you very much for spending your time with us today. And God bless you in Jesus' mighty name. Shalom.